Yo, yo, yo. Episode number 33 of the It's Just a Game podcast with Chris Pill. I am your host, Chris Pill. Uh, today we have um, Dallas week. Uh, so we have Dallas on the schedule twice this week. And no, the Eagles do not play the Dallas Cowboys two times this week. That'll be that'll be silly, right? So the Eagles play the Dallas Cowboys this Sunday at 4 o'clock, which is obviously the bigger game. This one's for the playoffs, you know, football. Every game is a little more magnified and means a little more than basketball or any other sport for that fact, for that matter. And the Sixers play the Mavericks. So the the Sixers, they're coming off of their first loss, their first home loss to the Miami Heat. And they're also coming off of two consecutive losses. So they're trying to stop a losing streak, but they're also trying to start a new home winning streak. And they were 14-0, so we're going to get into that. And... That loss, the first loss really didn't bother me as much. I think I talked about that on my last podcast, my last episode, and I'm going to get more into that. But the loss against the Heat, it bothered me a little bit for a couple of reasons, and I'm going to get into that too, and I'm going to make my pick sixes for week 16, and wow, this season has flown by, and that's the one thing about football. It, It seems like just yesterday, it was week one, I was waking up, gearing for the Washington Redskins, and just... Looking at, oh, the new season is starting. We have new players here. We got Odell Beckham playing for the Browns and just so much new stuff. Oh, I'm going to see if Patrick Mahomes can do it again. And before you know it, it's week 16 already and the season is almost over again. So, you know, it just really, really blows by. And that's the part that sucks. Like, opening day is beautiful, but then when it gets to the end, it's like, wow, football season is almost over. So, but we're going to get into that and we're going to just talk football, basketball, and more football. So, Talk to you on the other side. Thanks for listening. All right, guys, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm excited about this game because let's face it, it is Dallas week. Dallas week, it means a lot around these parts. But I'm a little nervous about this game also. I mean, we're really not supposed to win this game at all. Honestly, as an Eagles fan and locally, I think we expect to win this game. Now, if we don't win this game, this will be a, this will be a disappointment. But nationally, no, if we wake up on Monday morning and we, let's say we don't win this game. Let's say we lose 33 to 10 or whatever. Me, knock on wood. But if we lose this game, you know, you wake up and you watch Get Up and you watch SportsCenter, you watch First Take, you watch uh, First Thing First and you watch uh, Kyler Cower, you watch all these people on the national media, they're pretty much going to say they weren't supposed to win this game anyway because look at our receiving core. I mean, we don't have any receivers. Now, last time we played Dallas, I did an entire episode talking about my best memories of us beating up on the Dallas Cowboys. And I spent the entire week on my Instagram finding memes talking down about the Dallas Cowboys and that's what I always do now every single year that's what I do like I but I save I I had them saved up on my phone from week one from the summertime that I found just waiting for Dallas week so I could post the memes and I literally posted seven days in a row from that Sunday or I think from the Monday just pretty much from the Monday to that Saturday so I guess about six days where I was just posting memes about Dallas, so I'm not going to do that this week because it's just not worth it because after I did all of that nonsense, we ended up losing by 27 points, and it's just really, really embarrassing when that happens. Anytime you talk that much trash and you lose, it's like going to a fight and you're talking about how much you're going to beat somebody up and you're going to, I'm going to trash this person and I'm going to win. There's no way this dude's not going to have a chance. And you get knocked out in the second round. And it's like, oh, alrighty then. So, that's kind of what that game felt like. And I really, honestly, I really haven't had the courage to re-watch that game. Now, I've watched, like, the highlights and I've watched the entire games of the two games from last year. Because those games were a little closer. Now, this watching the highlights of this game, that would just kill me inside. I mean, there's no way. Only thing I remember is us just being down 14 to nothing before we were allowed to blink. Before... I just remember us getting the ball, and we never really did that. We always defer. We always kick the ball off if we, if we want to toss. And I remember us getting the ball first, you know, getting, I think, of, I think we had one first down. And I don't know if the Goddard 
a fumble was first, or I forgot what what the turnover was. I don't know if it was a Winston interception, but like like I said, my memory is cloudy because I, I haven't watched that game again. I really just wanted to take that out of my memory. And after that game, I really was like, you know, there's no way we're going to beat Dallas. Like, like when they have to come here, home, away, like whatever. There's just no chance of us actually beating this team. But things have changed. I mean, Dallas, they really, until they beat the Rams, which the Rams didn't show up. Until they beat the Rams, they hadn't beaten a team with a winning record. So the best team that they've actually beaten all year was us. So, I mean, they've beaten a bunch of trash teams, and they finally beat the Rams. They finally got a win against a, a winning opponent. And honestly, even if they beat us and they go and beat the Redskins, they still only have one win against a winning opponent. So I, I don't trust them at all either. And the next one beat it. They don't trust them either. They know like they know what kind of team Dallas is. Dallas is a team that's really, really underachieved this year. Now, they claim they have all of this talent. Or they have the most talented team. And Jerry Jones is like, oh, this much talent. I shouldn't be this frustrated. And Jerry Jones actually doesn't really even want Jason Garrett to be his coach anymore, honestly, because a couple of weeks ago, he did a radio interview. And he said, there's no doubt in my mind that Jason Garrett will be a, a coach in the NFL next year. And I'm just like, what do you mean a coach in the NFL next year? Now, if he was really confident in this guy, he would have said, there's no doubt in my mind that he will be back with us next year. He will be a Dallas Cowboys coach. He didn't say that, though. He said he will be an NFL coach. Like, that doesn't mean anything. Like, that's not a vote of confidence at all. If I'm Jason Garrett, I don't want to hear that. Why are you saying that? Like, are you saying you're going to fire me and I'll find a job? I mean, like, thanks for saying I'll get another job. But thanks, thanks, but no thanks. So that really made no sense to me. But it is what it is. And like it, it almost really seems unfair that we have to deal with all of these injuries. And it's, I mean, it's Derek Barnett. It's Lane Johnson. And we really, really need Lane Johnson back this week. And I know that's one thing I do remember from the first Dallas game is that Lane Johnson had one of the worst games of his career. Lane Johnson got a new contract this year. He wasn't selected to the Pro Bowl. Like I said in my previous episode, I really don't care about that. Like, honestly, the Pro Bowl means nothing to me. I, I want to make the playoffs. I'd rather make the playoffs and not make not have any Pro Bowlers. So, to me, the Pro Bowl means nothing. So, but he got his new contract. He's definitely probably the best right tackle in the league. He has the skills of a left tackle, but he's stuck with right tackle because He's just there. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let him just stay there. And we're going to groom our next left tackle. Hopefully, that's Andre Dillard. So, that's going to happen. But he needs to play. And if he doesn't, this is going to be a long day. Because we have to deal with not only Demarcus Lawrence, but we have to deal with Robert Quinn. And we have to deal with Michael Bennett. Now, the only thing about Michael Bennett that we can kind of capitalize on is he jumps off sides a lot. He's, like, super, super aggressive. We dealt with that last year. I mean, he was here, so we know what what he does. And it's been a lot this year. Like, anytime I watch a Dallas game, there's always at least a couple of times a game where he jumps off sides, where he's in the neutral zone. Like, he just gets way too eager. He wants to try to get a, a head start on the quarterback. So, that happens a lot with uh, Michael Bennett. But, again, Robert Quinn and Demarcus Lawrence is going to be a tough one. So, really need uh, Lane Johnson out there. I don't know if Big V can – Hold up against those guys. The only thing I can say is that they're home, and usually it's a little easier to pass block at home because you know the way the snap counts are. You know, on the road, sometimes it's a little harder to hear, so you're really behind the snap count, and they can get a better jump on you. But it's a little easier at home, so that's a plus. Also, it's a plus with the defense being at home because they play so much better at home. Now, the last game they played in Dallas, they didn't really have a good game. But they really haven't been that good in any road game. I don't know what the difference is. I don't know if, like, I, I, I just don't know. I don't know if, like I, like I said, the snap count has something to do with it. Being Maybe the crowd noise has something to do with it. But for some reason, on the road, they do not, the defense does not play well. And for some reason, the offense and the defense cannot seem to be on the same page. Now, when the defense has a, now if the defense has a great game like they had against uh, Seattle and New England and Chicago and Pretty much the, the second half against the Giants, the offense has to show up as well. Now, the offense, Carson Wentz has had to make the throws that are there. We don't have the weapons to throw down the field. So, Carson Wentz, pretty much, if the throw is there, you can't miss it. Like, Carson, like, so when you have a great team like we had in 2017, or what it seemed like we had at the beginning of last year, 
you can pretty much afford now. We were really, really good in that 2017 season on third downs and in the red zone. Now, I remember third down, it just didn't matter what the down was. It could be third and 13. We were going to get the first down. We were going to get a touchdown. It just didn't matter. Like, I remember a game in Dallas City in 2017 where we didn't even have a kicker. And we went for it every single fourth down. And every fourth down, we pretty much got it, it seemed like. I think it was one where we didn't. But besides that, I think every single time, we pretty much converted it. So... And there was one where it was like fourth and goal from the 15 or something. And we ended up throwing a touchdown to Alshon Jeffrey. But we don't have that luxury anymore. So anytime a play is open, if he can afford to miss a play a couple of years ago, because you know what? Third and 13, we still got it. Third and 15, we're still going to convert it. We can't afford to, we cannot, we don't have the personnel to convert third and 14s anymore. Like we have to be in third and seven or less. Like it has to be third and four. It has to be third and three. We have to, you know, get a couple of yards running the ball. So, and I think with Miles Sanders running the ball so well and Bart, uh, what do we say Bart Scott? Boston Scott being integrated into this offense, I think that would definitely be a plus. So, and Boston Scott really wasn't a big part of his offense at all last time we played Dallas. So, this is definitely going to be a new look for them. I mean, it's pretty much like playing a, a younger Darren Sproles, pretty much. So, it's not like there's something that other teams haven't seen before. But it's something new. It's a new guy. It's a fresh face. But um, last year, I remember the Sunday night game in Philly. It was they pretty much, Dallas pretty much controlled the game. I never really felt like we were going to win the game. But we still had a chance to win the game. I think Zach Ertz had two touchdowns in that game. And late they had a chance at the end, and that was the first game Golden Tate played. So we really thought we would were going to get like you know a nice boost to the offense, and he didn't really do much at all. And we ended up losing the game. And I think they got the ball late. They tried to do a hail mary, didn't work. But then they lost the game in Dallas in overtime. You know, Russell Douglas batted the ball up. That's when Amari Cooper really killed us. Amari Cooper made our our cornerbacks look trash. And I think everybody. That's when everybody started getting hurt. That's when all the cornerbacks started getting hurt. And 2018 and 2019 are like kind of mirror images where the defensive backfield is what the wide receivers are this year. Last year, I remember just Ronald Darby getting hurt, uh, Jalen Mills getting hurt, and then Craig Allen Blanc coming in, and Vontae Maddox having to come in, and it was another, another guy, I can't even think of his name right now. He's not even on the team right now, but... I just remember being down to like our fifth or sixth cornerbacks last year at one point. And I'm just, I remember thinking like, who is Crevion LeBlanc? Like, who was that? So, and Russell Douglas got hurt also. So it was just a lot of things happening this year. It happened to the receivers. Now we got our cornerbacks back healthy, which, you know, it kind of changed the, at home for some reason. They're good. But for some reason on the road, they do not play the same. Luckily for us, this game is at home. And luckily our next road game is against the Giants. So, and they have to win both of these games to get in. Now, if you... A lot of people think we just had to win this Dallas game. Like, that's not the case here. We have to win. You have to beat Dallas, and you also have to beat the Giants. Or you have to hope that the Redskins beat the Cowboys, and that's not going to happen. So, you have to win both of these games. You can't beat Dallas and then lose to the Giants and think you're getting to the playoffs. It's not happening. So, you got to win. You got to win both. And again, last year that was pretty much the the first important Dallas Cowboys Philadelphia Eagles game in Philadelphia in a while because 2016 we played them in week 17 so it was pretty much like role reversal uh 16 to 17. 2016 the dallas cowboys were i think 14 and 2 they were the number one seed and they pretty much rested all their starters because they were getting ready for the playoffs they had the first round by they were getting ready for the divisional round they ended up losing the green bay thank god and you know we played all of our starters and that was just our Zach Ertz had a touchdown. I remember him giving the ball to Mike Trout. You know, just, okay, Carson Wentz finally played 16. No, not not he finally played 16 games. But up until that point, no Eagles quarterback since 2008 had played a full 16-game season. If you don't believe me, go look at it. Um, I'm talking about Kevin Cobb, uh, Michael Vick, uh, Vince Young made some starts. Uh, everybody just, like Nick Foles, uh, Michael Vick again. So, like, everybody was... Nobody can stay healthy for a full 16-game season. So I remember thinking, finally, a quarterback played a full 16 games. And I remember being happy about that. But, you know, it was like a 7-9 season. So I'm, okay, this is something to build on. Little did we know they were building on to something, like, really, really good. They ended up winning the Super Bowl next year. But then in the 2017, they ended the year against Dallas at home as well. And this was the other way around, where 
we were the number one seed. We were resting our starters, getting ready for the divisional round. You know, they're beating the Atlanta Falcons, thank God. And the Dallas Cowboys were pretty much playing the starters. And I remember that game because I remember thinking, like, they played all of their starters. We played our backups, and I think they scored, like, 10 points in that game. And I think, like, the best you can do is score 10 points against our backups and y'all played your starters. And that's when I knew we had a really, really good team that was ready to compete. Cause, and I remember Nick Foles not playing that well, and a lot of people wanted Nick Sutfeld in there. Little did, little did we know that Nick Foles was about to go on to win the Super Bowl MVP. Nobody knew at that time. But because he really struggled in, the, in that game. So those last two, like 16 and 17, was really just meaningless games in Philadelphia. But last year was finally an actual meaningful game in Philadelphia between these two teams. And this year we have another one. This is going to be on Fox, 4 o'clock. Joe Buck, uh, uh, Troy Aikman. So, yes, we have to deal with uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman again. Honestly, I really don't have a problem with either one of these guys. I don't know if there's, like, it's just, like, common misconception that we just hate uh, Chris Collinsworth and Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, and everybody just hates every announcer for some reason, and everyone thinks, oh, they don't like the Eagles, and they talk about the Eagles. I'm the biggest Eagles fan there is, and I really just don't hear it. I don't know why everyone just thinks that <laughs> these announcers have this vendetta against them. They think Colin Coward has this crazy like oh my god this rage like I, I hate this team or like the only person i know that don't doesn't like the team is skip bayless and that's understandable he's a cowboys fan like what else would you expect i mean we don't like the cowboys do we so like but yeah i really don't see the this whole vendetta that everybody thinks that joe buck and troy aikman has like, troy aikman is actually one of the best announcers in the game and i hated troy aikman i hated troy aikman i hated tony romo i hated michael irvin and michael irvin it really isn't even that good of a analyst or whatever but like, Troy Aikman and Tony Romo are actually really good at their jobs. And like, there's a reason they're both the number one guys at CBS and Fox, respectively. So, again, I really just don't see it. I mean, I, I like Troy Aikman. I hated him as a player, as a Cowboy player. But as an analyst, he's probably one of the best guys in the league for me. And Chris Collinsworth also. Everyone just seems to bash Chris Collinsworth. Like, he just has this, like, secret, just, like, rage against the Eagles. Like, I do not want to see them do well. But, uh, Again, I just don't see it, so I don't know. I don't know where that comes from, but whatever. Now, the one thing I will say, and this is so these last two days, if you live in Philadelphia, you know what I'm talking about. It's been freezing here. Now, Wednesday was really, really cold. It was like 20 degrees. It felt like it was like five degrees. The wind was just gusting. It was just brutally cold outside. It was football weather, though. That, that's pretty much what it was. I mean, anytime you hear the phrase "football weather," that's what we mean. It's cold. And that's it. It has to be cold. Football is a fall to a wintertime sport. And unless you play in L.A., unless you're in a dome, that's how it's going to be. So, but that's what it is. And um, Thursday was pretty cool, but it wasn't as windy as it was on Wednesday. But then I looked at the forecast, and I'm thinking, like, I want, I want it to be like this on Sunday. I want it to be, like, freezing, freezing cold outside to where the Cowboys are at a disadvantage now. Home for the advantage means one of two things. One, you get the crowd on your side. And two, you get the weather to be how you want it, where you're pretty much accustomed to playing in that weather, but the other team isn't. Now, when you get a team coming from Dallas, where it's warm, and they're also playing inside of a stadium, they're playing inside of a dome, where it's controlled weather, they're not used to playing outside. They, they don't want to come outside and play in 20-degree, 10-degree weather. And I really thought it would be like that, but it's not going to be as cold as I thought it was. I think the high is, um, I think the high is like 47, the low is 35, I think, something like that, which to me is just not cold enough, and like, I don't, I really can't complain about this because there's nothing that anyone can do about this. I mean, I can't change the weather. Doug Peterson can't change the weather. Jeffrey Lurie, as much money as he has, he can't change the weather. There's nothing that anybody can do about this. But I just want, like, for me, personally, I wanted it to be cold. I wanted it to be five degrees outside. The way Dak Prescott is out there with his, his gloves on, like, trying to stay warm. And Ezekiel Elliott is just, you know, it's too cold. And they're dropping passes left and right because they can't hold on to the ball. Now, I know they're professional athletes, so it probably wouldn't make that big of a difference. But I just feel like any little edge that we can have, we should be able to have because they're dealing with no injuries. Oh, another injury, Dak Prescott, you know, quote-unquote dealing with an injury. So I really, I don't know if I believe it as much because 
I don't know. All of a sudden, it just seems to be dealing with the shoulder injury. This man has never missed a game. He's never even missed a practice before. But now, all of a sudden, he's he's he can't function according to Jerry Jones. So, um, it, whatever. I, I I don't buy it. But he's definitely going to play. There's no way he's missing this game. But um, between that and like I said, Leighton Vander Esch, this pretty much the only significant injuries that they have. Everyone else is pretty much out there. So. I mean, they have all their running backs. They have all their linemen. They have, uh, I mean, they have guys that are, like, banged up at this time of the year. But, you know, if you look on the NFL in- injury report, you're always going to see guys all dealing with the knees, questionable. But most of the time, that means they're going to play. Like, unless, like, something crazy happens, most of these guys are, re- are going to play, definitely. So, but I definitely believe in their run defense this game. I know Ezekiel Elliott has had some, some pretty good games against the Eagles now. Outside of, like, Zeke and... I'm trying to think of any other players that uh, we like Dalvin Cook. We kind of actually no, we did. We, we shut down Dalvin Cook. Uh, it's really uh, Saquon Barkley is another guy that, that we struggled against the last not last game. Last game we shut him down, but last year the two games he he ran all over us. But but um, it's really only a handful of people. We've had a really good run defense for years now, and we really haven't had problems like with the run defense since like the early 2000s. I remember we that was like our only Achilles heel. We could not stop the run. This year we. Uh, actually, with this whole regimen that we have, I really don't have problems stopping the run at all. So I really kind of, I know, like I said, I know Zeke has had some games. And I know Dallas has a good offensive line, but I think our defensive line is really, really good. And I know uh, pass rushing-wise, they haven't been as good this year as they have been in the past. But I think run defense-wise, they've been pretty solid, especially guys like Brandon Graham. You know, Fletcher Cox is going to another Pro Bowl. Most likely it's a popularity contest because I don't even think I think Brandon Graham is actually having a better season than uh, Fletcher Cox is, and hopefully we get Derek, Derek Barnett back. Uh, I doubt Nelson Aguilar is going to play, and hopefully Lane Johnson uh, plays. Now I don't really get the people that are happy that guys are out like Nelson Aguilar. Now I know he struggled a little bit this year, but any uh, receiver, any healthy body receiver with with okay hands right now would do because. I'd rather have Nelson Aguilar out there than have just pretty much two wide receivers that no one is really scared of. Now, Greg, Greg Ward is a nice story. He has nice hands. He can catch. But he's not making no plays down the field. And the only chance to make a play down the field is Nelson Aguilar. And I know I, I kind of sound crazy just hoping it would happen. But I just feel like if he was out there... Eventually, we have to hit on the play, right? Like, we would have to. He's the only guy that can pretty much get behind the defense. Like, there's no other guy on this roster that can do it. So, I really just, uh, you know, it'd be nice to have him out there. I remember when Ronald Darby got hurt, another guy that got injured, and people just seemed to be happy about it. Like, why would you want a guy to get hurt? Like, I know a guy's struggling. If you want a guy to get benched, like, let's say, okay, the guy gets benched. But there's no reason you should be hoping the guy is hurt or like you should be happy that a guy is injured there's, there's just no place in the game for that so but um now speaking of Carson Wentz though like I was saying earlier this is probably the biggest game of his career and you know some people they say that a lot they say oh he's playing against Minnesota this is the biggest game of his career oh like they're playing to keep their jobs alive they're one and two they're playing the Packers biggest game of Carson Wentz's career this is actually the biggest game of Carson Wentz's career. Now, I was in the minority a couple of weeks ago where I said, I mean, after the Dolphins game, I was done. I was just done with this team. I'm like, you know what? I don't even want to make the playoffs anymore. Just forget it. What's the point of going and losing? But you know what? There's actually, like, some there's some good things. There's some positives about making it to the playoffs. Carson Wentz would get some viable postseason experience because as good as you know, we've made the playoffs two of the last three years, two consecutive years, but Carson Wentz hasn't played a minute in either playoff game. None of the playoff games. We've played five postseason games over the last two years, and Nick Foles has been a starter and a finisher in every single one of them. Now, for Carson Wentz to get some experience, that'll really be good for him. Even if they lose the first game of the season, I think still him being out there in the playoffs, just seeing what the feel is like, it will be a home game. I think that would be really, really good for him and his career and also for the team. But at least for now, you know, Carson Wentz, he had a really, really good season in 2017. The biggest game of his career was probably the Seahawks game and the Rams game. And he 
lost the Seahawks game, but he won the Rams game. But he was winning the Rams game. He technically got the win. He was winning when he left, and Nick Foles came in and pretty much finished it off. That was probably the biggest game because the Rams were really, really good that year. They were trying to get the number one seed. And we, were, we were kind of, like, fighting for that. They were, like, a game behind us. So, like, that game was really, really big for us. So, that was the biggest game of his career leading up to this. But, you know, he's had some big games here and there. Like, last year, it was probably both Dallas games were probably the biggest games. And we ended up losing both of them. And then this year, probably the Green Bay game was a big game. Uh, the Minnesota game was a big one. Probably this Dallas game as well, but you know, you know, some mixed results in there. But this one, you know, it, it could be big for him getting into the postseason now. Knock on wood, he's played 14 games now. If he can just get through two more, he finally got a he got a, a full season under his belt, which will be the first time he's done that since his rookie season. Now, if he can just you know will his team to a win, which he's done the last two games, and I love that everyone's saying, oh, they barely got by the Redskins, they barely got by the Giants, but it's like you know what. You see what this guy is working with? I mean, he's not really working with a bunch of stars offensively. I mean, he's doing the best that he can do. Now, if the defense would, you know, at least in the last week, in the case of last week, if the defense would have actually made some stops, he wouldn't have had to come back and win the game at the end. I know the turnover was his fault, and I know he missed a couple of throws, but he really would not have had to come back in the fourth quarter or in the overtime. Not overtime, I'm sure. Overtime was the Giants game. He wouldn't have had to do that if the defense would have actually stopped Dwayne Haskins and not made this guy look like a, a superstar that he was at Ohio State. Like, there's no way. But, you know, I know everybody wants to, wants to put the blame on Carson Wentz, but um, you just better give him credit when he actually goes out and wins this game. I really have a, like I said, I have mixed emotions about this game. I just really don't want to think about it. Once game day comes, I'm probably going to be as confident as I've ever been. I'm probably just going to go out there like, you know what? Go Eagles. We're going to trash the Cowboys. Like, it is what it is. We got this. But for now, I, don't, I really don't know. It could really, really go either way. The Cowboys are one and a half point favorites here. But again, they're not really dealing with any injuries right now. And the fact that they're only one and a half point favorites tells me they're not really that good of a team. Like That tells me that they're really not as good as everyone seems to think they are. Everyone seems to think they have this talented roster. They have this and they have that. But, like, why are they 7-7? Seven seven? Like, why do you guys have Amari Cooper, Randall Cobb, Tavon Austin, Ezekiel Elliott, and you guys are in the same exact position that we are in with Greg Ward, J.D. Arthur, Whiteside, Miles Sanders, and Boston Scott? Like, and whose roster do you think is better right now? Like, so why are you guys in the same exact predicament that we're in, fighting for the same exact division with the same exact record, about to be in the same exact spot? But you guys have way better players. Like you guys are so talented, right? You know, I know your defense is so good, of course, but they're not. I mean, if they were really that good, you guys would be. You guys would have won this division already. And you let us hang around too long. We're going to win this division now because we had the championship pedigree. Last time you guys won the Super Bowl, most of your fans probably weren't even alive yet. Like last time we won the Super Bowl, my cat was alive. So, <laughs> so. My cat was on the seventh life the last time he won the Super Bowl. So, I don't want to sit here and brag about the Super Bowl because I really don't want to brag about the, the rings because I don't want to turn into what we used to hate now. For years, all we ever heard was, oh, you guys have no rings, you guys have no rings, no rings, no rings, no rings. So, I never want to turn into one of those people that only brings up rings when it's appropriate or when it's convenient for them. But sometimes it has to come up, so... And I always say, like, you guys might have five rings, we only have one. But I always say, would you rather have a 2017 Jaguar? Would you rather have a 1973 Hyundai and a 1994 Toyota and a 1991 uh, uh, Nissan? Or would you rather have the nicest car? Would you rather have five, like, old beat-up cars? Or would you rather have the nicest car that's, that's on the lot? The one nicest car that's on the lot with full insurance covers, you know? So, that's all I'm going to say about that. But, um, yeah, that's all done with the Eagles talk. Let's get to the other Philadelphia Dallas matchup. The Sixers played the Mavericks um, on Friday t- today. So, they coming off, like I said in the intro, they're coming off of two straight losses, coming off of their first home loss. Now, after they lost against the Nets, I'm just like, you know what? It is what it is. Joel Embiid didn't play. 
Like it's it's a road game against the Nets. Like they're a young team. So you're going to have games like this when you're a good team. You probably shouldn't, but every once in a while it happens. So like it re- it is what it is, honestly. But and I'm thinking when we lose that game, okay, we're going home. We're going back home. We're 14 and 0 at home. It's pretty much a guaranteed win. We already beat the Heat already. We pretty much blew them out the first time we played them. It didn't work out like that. So. It actually did work out early in the game. They were up uh, double digits, I think, in the second quarter. And all of a sudden, I looked up, and they were down by, like, four. And I'm like, wait, what What happened? I don't understand how this happened. I don't know. They went on a crazy run. Uh, the Heat went to a 2-3 zone, and we struggled against that. And I hope that doesn't make a blueprint. Now, the one thing about blueprints in any sport is you can decide that you want to defend the team that way. You can decide you want to do this or do that. But if you don't have the personnel to actually do that, to actually execute that, it really doesn't matter. So I don't know if it's a blueprint, I did, but I do think we have to figure something out. I think we need a closer still. I think jo- uh, Joel Embiid needs to, like, I really don't know what I need Joel Embiid to do. I just need him to be, like, tougher mentally. I need him to just dominate. I need him to... Know, come out and have a game like he did last Thursday against the Celtics. Like maybe we need Charles and Shaq to criticize him every single game. Maybe you need to play. Maybe we need to have that clip of Charles and Shaq and Shaq saying he don't want it, and have Charles Barkley saying he's they have no chance to get to the finals. Every every pregame in the locker room, and maybe he'll actually go out there and put up 38 and 13 every single night. So maybe that's what we need to do. But I will say against the Miami Heat. They're a little better than I thought they were. Now, when they started off with that hot start, I really thought they were a fluke, and I didn't think they would be able to sustain this. Now, I don't really think they're going to go to the finals or anything. I don't think they have a team built for that. They have a bunch of young guys. When you have a bunch of young guys, there's no way you get to the finals with a bunch of young guys. And I don't think Jimmy Butler is a guy that can... He's not LeBron James. He can't carry a bunch of young guys to the finals. There's, he's not that great of a player. He's like a A-minus, B-plus player, really. He's not like an A-plus, so... He's like a two-star player. But um, I will say, with the loss to the Heat, that at least they had their first loss of the season against a good team. Because last year, if you remember, their first lo- their first home loss of the season was against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And that was really, really frustrating. And that was the game when Kendall Jenner was there and everyone was talking about the Kardashian curse. Like, Kendall never needs to come back to a game. And honestly, if you think the Kardashian curse is real, you need to grow up. Like, there's no way that Kendall Jenner being there is affecting Ben Simmons' game or it's affecting the Sixers at all. That has nothing to do with nothing. So if, if any guy's cursed by the Kardashian, it's just because of something that they did in their, their own life. That, that's all on them. Like, I don't think Ben Simmons is affected by Kendall Jenner being in, in the crowd. And if Ben Simmons wants to date Kendall Jenner, let him date the beautiful Kendall Jenner. She's a beautiful young lady. Let him be. He can. He's allowed to have a life outside of basketball. Now, I will say about Ben Simmons, I need him to be more aggressive. I'm going to keep saying this till the end of time. I think I'm going to scream this on the top of my lungs every single day until I, the day I die, like, honestly. Like, and if we ever... I remember Kobe even saying, having a quote about Ben Simmons. Like, he needs to develop a jump shot because if he does it, he's going to regret it. And I just don't want... 15 years from now, just be like, Ben Simmons with that guy that, man, if he could have just had a jump shot. Because we're in it right now, and we're just thinking, okay, if he can just develop develop that jump shot, he'll be fine. He'll be unstoppable. And honestly, I don't even know if he develops a jump shot right now. Let's say he takes a couple jump shots a game, and let's say he makes them. I still don't think he has the mentality to actually dominate and take over a game. Like, you can take the shots all you want. There's a lot of guys that, that can shoot, like, but that don't mean they can take over the game. If Ben Simmons never gets that mentality to actually take over a game and be aggressive and go to the rim instead of just deciding to pass the Al Horford at the three-point line all the time, then nothing is really going to change. I mean, what, is he going to score two more points a game because he takes one more jump shot? Like, that means nothing to me. Like, he has to be more aggressive. I don't care about him shooting the ball. I don't want to say I don't care about him shooting the ball, but... I, I don't care about him shooting the ball. I care about him being more aggressive. I care about him worrying about scoring, but I care about him just getting to the rack and drawing fouls. And I know he doesn't really have the confidence in the free throws yet, but I feel like he makes them when it counts. Now, it's been a couple times this year that I've seen him actually go late in the game and make two free throws. There was one time against the Portland Trailblazers when they won that game in Portland, and there was another time against the, I can't remember, but a couple games ago. I think it was actually the Celtics game. He made two late in the game, so... 
he makes too many counts. He'll word the check. So, but this game was a big one because I mean I don't really want to talk about seating this early in the year. I mean seating talking about playoff seating in December is kind of silly. But it knocked him from the three seed to the five seed because it kind of gave him one more loss in the Heat, and I'm not sure who had like. Not sure who would have the tiebreaker at this point because they won one game each, but they've beaten us at home. They and the Heat have beaten us at home. They beat Milwaukee, and they've also beaten Toronto at home. So they've been pretty impressive. But that was really big because they were at the three seed and now they're at the five seed. Now they had to play the Dallas Mavericks. You would think it'd be an easy win, but you never know. Now Luka Doncic is not playing, which I'm really really upset about because I kind of wanted to beat him, but then when he wasn't playing, I'm like, okay, this should be an easy win now. But then I went back and I'm like, you know what? Actually, I would rather beat him. You want to beat a team at the best. You don't want to play a team when they're shorthanded. Because then when you beat them, all you're going to hear is, oh, you only beat us because they, they we didn't have our star player. And they actually just beat the Milwaukee Bucks in Milwaukee. They, they ended their winning streak without Luka Doncic. Uh, KP, actually. Uh, KP, yeah. Nice initials he has. Uh, Chris Dath Perzingis actually had a really, really good game. So that was, that was an impressive win. But they lost in Boston. But now they have to play us, so I guess they're just on the like little stretch. But they're playing a bunch of Eastern Conference teams, so they're they're on their little East Coast trip. But um, yeah. So I I just really don't know why they lost because they were up and then they were down. Then they were down by like fourteen late, and I'm thinking, okay, this game was over. But then they made it the game again, and it seemed like it was over again, and they. Then, then it was close again. So they were only after the two free throws. The, uh, the uh, Kendrick Nunn missed the free throw, and Ben Simmons. And this is where the aggressiveness comes in. He was going to the hole, and instead of you know attacking the basket, trying to make something happen, he throws the ball back to Al Horford. Al Horford shoots a three, and there's plenty of time left. There's like there's like five to seven seconds left. I can't remember exactly, but there's there's plenty of time to like get a much better shot than that. You don't have to shoot a three. Not only did you not have to shoot a three. Al Horford doesn't need to shoot the three. You don't need to shoot a contested three. Now, if this is an open three, okay, this is Tobias Harris in the corner. Tobias Harris actually made a couple big shots late in that game. So this is like Tobias Harris in the corner, wide open. Like, I wouldn't mind the shot, but I don't know about Al Horford being on the wing, like just kind of at the three-point line on the side. Just, uh, I'm not really sure how I feel about that shot. Now, I know if he would have made it, we would have been, oh, what a great shot by Al Horford. But even then, it's like, you're watching the live and you're like, no, nah, I really don't like this shot at all. So, but again, I just wish Ben Simmons would be a little more aggressive. And that's where the close would have to be because Joel Embiid, as good as he is, he's a center. You can't really, you can't give the ball to a center at the top of the key and expect him to go score because once it gets late in the game, he's going to get double teamed if you try to post up with him. And that's going to just create a whole havoc and a whole bad chain of events that's going to set up off a whole tragic chain of events so you need that closer though I mean Tobias Harris has been really good lately he's been he's been good for 20 a night for the last like two three weeks consistently but I don't know if he has that closer in him and that's what Jimmy Butler was for us last year now I wish we could have signed Jimmy Butler back but honestly it was nothing we could have did we gave him the max he didn't want. He wanted to go to Miami, but it is what it is. So there's nothing that the team or anybody in our organization could have done. So whatever. But we just had to figure it out. I don't know if we have to make another trade because at this point, I mean, I don't know if Ben Simmons is just going to all of a sudden develop this closure mentality. He's not just going to wake up Kobe Bryant one day. Tobias is not going to wake up Dwayne Wade one day. It's just not going to happen. Maybe they, just, like I said, maybe they have to make a trade. Maybe they have to go out and get a closer. God, they could. I know Deion Waiters, he's in a lot of trouble right now with the Heat. They're going to try to trade him. He's from Philly. Maybe they can, you know, trade for him. Maybe they have to give up a little something. But I'm not saying Deion Waiters will be a, a great closer or nothing for us. He's not going to be a star or nothing like that. But I feel like Deion Waiters wouldn't be scared of, you know, taking that last shot. You know, Deion Waiters is one of those guys that thinks he's better than he actually is. Deion Waiters is like a... He thinks he's Kobe Bryant, but he's really like... I don't know. I don't want to disrespect any player, but he's he just... He thinks he's an A-plus player, but he's really like a... C-plus, honestly, so... Yeah. 
But the Sixers really need to win this game. This is a game they must have. So beat Dallas and then beat Dallas again. So, because without Luka Doncic at home, there's no way for us to win, lose this game. If they lose to the Mavericks, then a three-game losing streak. That then you know Sixers Twitter, Sixers Facebook, you know, all the Firebird Browns, all the Firebird Brown people are going to be out in full effect. So Brett Brown, if you want to stay away from those guys. You better, you better win this game. So, but uh, now let's get to, uh, to my picks this week. Now I went three and three for a second consecutive week last week. Hopefully we can do a little better than that. Now I'm going to try to. I'm looking at the schedule right, and it's week 17. You know, a lot of games mean a lot for the playoffs, but a lot of games really mean nothing. And I'm not, I'm not really going to worry about the games that mean nothing. I'm only picking my rule for this week is. I'm only picking games that actually mean something. And if, whether it's the big game like Buffalo, New England, where it means something for both teams, or whether it's something like Kansas City and Chicago, where it only means something for one team. But I'm only going to pick games that, that mean something. I'm not going to pick, you know, Jacksonville and Atlanta or Cincinnati and Miami. I mean, who, like, who cares about Cincinnati and Miami, honestly? I'm not going to pick the Giants and the Washington Redskins, Detroit and Denver, like Oakland and the Chargers. Like, games like that just means nothing at all. So... But let's get it started. We got three big Saturday night games uh, this week. We got Houston and Tampa Bay. We got Buffalo and New England. We got LA Rams and San Francisco. I'm going to pick two of those games. So I'm going to start off with the LA Rams and the San Francisco 49ers. Now, the LA Rams, I believe they have like a 5% chance, I saw, to make the playoffs after their big loss to the Dallas Cowboys, which is why I'm so surprised that they didn't show up for the Cowboys game because they actually needed the game much more than the Cowboys needed it. So... You would think they would have shown up for that. And, you know, they were rolling high. They were riding high. They thought, oh, we beat the Arizona Cardinals and we beat the Seattle Seahawks. Like, we're good. We're good. Again, we ride the ship. And not so fast. You, you still aren't that good. And I was never drinking the Kool-Aid either. And San Fran's coming off a loss to Atlanta. Heartbreaking loss. But I still think they're the best team in the NFC. Call me crazy. I think they're the most complete team. I think Jimmy, Jimmy G is right where he needs to be. I don't think he's underrated, but I don't think he's overrated. I think he's right where he needs to be. I think he got a big contract. I think he has the talent. I just don't think he has the exact receivers that he needs right now. He has a lot of speed, but he doesn't really have like a like a great possession receiver, just a security blanket outside of a George Kittle now. Once he gets like a security blanket, like, you know, I think he'll do better. But I think eventually he'll keep elevating. And remember, he's come off an injury too. Last year he was, he tore with ACL. So he, he's maybe he's still thinking about that, but Let's not forget what he did against New Orleans. And let's not forget everything else that the San Francisco 49ers did because they've lost two of their last three games. One was just a fluke, honestly. Like, I mean, one was just they came out flat, and they can never just – they can never really put it all together. And then the defense kind of gave it up at the end. Richard Sherman is coming back. L.A. is really not that good. Last time San Francisco went to L.A., and they just ran it down their throats. So I'm going to take San Francisco minus the six and a half uh, against the L.A. Rams because they're in San Fran this week. And – there's no way they're going to come out flat for a second consecutive week at home against a divisional opponent. So I'm going to take them minus six and a half to win by at least a, a touchdown. So, so then we got uh, another game, Buffalo against New England, another six and a half line between two divisional opponents. Uh, New England, New England, New England, last game. Uh, Josh Allen, last time they played this, uh, Josh Allen got hurt like in the third quarter, I believe. Yeah, not before he had a, a couple of picks. They had a block punt against the New England, had a block punt against the Buffalo Bills, and they still only won the game by, I believe, six points. So the fact that they the fact that they let them even be in the game when they had that much go against them, unless we know that New England, even that at that time, we knew, okay, New England is really vulnerable. I know a lot of people, when they were undefeated, a lot of people were drinking the New England Kool-Aid, like, oh, they're undefeated, they're the best team in the league. Like, not so fast. If you watch the games, you know, just by their record, like, sometimes... 8-0 and 8-0, two 8-0 records aren't really exactly the same. I think Buffalo is playing really well right now. I think they figured out something with uh, Josh Allen. I think they know his limitations as a passer for now. I think as he gets older and he matures a little bit, he'll be a great, great passer. He needs to work on his accuracy a little more. But I think as a runner, they know what he, they know what he does well. And I think they run the ball and they play defense. Now, the key to beating the Patriots is playing good defense against them, man. The thing about the Buffalo Bills is New England, they take they take away your best weapon, and the, 
I guess the good thing about the Buffalo Bills, they don't really have a, a quote-unquote best weapon. I guess running the ball is, but I feel like Josh Allen can pass well enough to where he can beat him. I think he showed you that against Dallas, and I think he showed you that uh, the last game that they won. So, they're really good when they went against uh, Pittsburgh on a Sunday night now. Two primetime games. Last two times they've been on primetime, they've won. So, this is not a primetime game, but it's a big game. Actually, no, it's not a primetime game. It's Saturday, so... It's actually a really, really big game. I'm glad they put this on a Saturday. Uh, they must have foresaw the schedule makers must have foreseen Buffalo being as good as they are. So this is really good. I just don't think New England, I've been saying uh, for months now, I don't think they have enough offense. I think Buffalo has a great defense right now. I'm going to take Buffalo plus the six and a half. That's a big line to me, honestly. I think Buffalo, was, I don't think Vegas is giving Buffalo enough credit. So this is actually easy plus six and a half. To take because even if New England wins this game, I don't see them blowing them out. I don't see New England blowing out. I mean, they were destroying teams early in the year when they were playing the Washington and and playing Miami and playing the Jets and they were playing these bad teams. But once they start playing good teams, they weren't blowing people out anymore. They were barely getting by. So even if New England wins this game, it's probably only be about three or four points. So I'm going to take Buffalo plus a six and a half. Honestly, I probably would. If I were a betting man, I, I would take him to win the game, honestly. But this is just uh, going to get the spread. So just going to take him plus the six and a half. And so we're going to go to uh, New York. Uh, Pittsburgh against the Jets. Uh, Jets, their season is pretty much over. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to waste my time talking about the Jets right now. Uh, Pittsburgh, uh, Le'Veon Bell is playing his former team. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh, they... I think they're actually still in the playoffs right now. I think they had that last wild card spot right now. So, in order to keep that with uh, Devlin Hodges, they have to win this game. All you have to do is go to the New York Jets, and you got it made right now. Like a lot of times when you're when you're late in the in season, like for instance, uh, Tennessee, they lost to the Houston Texans, and they have the Houston Texans again next week, and they have a tough game to win just to get to that game. They have to play New Orleans this week. Now, a lot of times you get a team like this, where you pretty much are in it, and all you have to do is beat the Jets. Like, you don't have to play a tough team. All you have to do is beat the New York Jets. Like, that's it. So, just beat the Jets, and you're in. So, just off of those merits alone, I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers minus the three points. So, so next I'm going to go to New Orleans and Tennessee. I just talked about this game now. Tennessee is coming off a loss to Houston, Texas. I actually picked Tennessee to win that game. I really thought the way they were playing, they would do really good. But fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I'm picking Tennessee again, plus two and a half against New Orleans. I think New Orleans is a little vulnerable. I don't think they're as good defensively as we think they are. I think they can't run the ball like they used to. Like, I, I don't see Alvin Kamara making those crazy plays. I think they blew out the Colts because the Colts are just pretty much in free fall right now. The Colts had a nice little story the first half of the year, but then they've lost a couple games. Now, their season is pretty much done. And, you know, New Orleans, you know, they pretty much got overshadowed by Drew Brees winning the – not winning, but he, he broke the record for touchdown passes, career touchdown passes. So, everyone was talking about that. But we're not talking about the fact that, you know, they – they lost to San Fran, and, you know, they haven't really been as good because they're too reliant on Drew Brees right now. It seems like their defense was playing much better when Drew Brees was not in the game. When Teddy Bridgewater was in there, they were shutting down everybody. But once Drew Brees came back, it seemed like they got comfortable for some reason. And don't get comfortable because Derrick Henry is coming, and Ryan Tannehill is playing really, really well. And maybe eventually he's going to fall off, but I think right now they have to win this game to keep pace with the Houston Texans to set up that big matchup in week 17 with the Houston Texans. So I might regret this. It's actually one of my tougher picks, but I'm going to take Tennessee plus a two and a half. So yeah, Kansas City and Chicago is a pretty easy game. Chicago's out the playoffs. Kansas City is uh, fighting for that for a first round bye. You know, if they can win this game and they knock the Patriots out and the Patriots lose to the Buffalo, they can move it to the two seed. They can get the first round bye. I think Patrick Mahomes is not quite back to his last year for him, but I think the talent is definitely there. I don't think he's going to put, obviously he's not going to put up those numbers that he did last year, but he still only has two interceptions on the year. And then going against Chicago, I think he's going to put up some numbers because Patrick Mahomes has an arm, man. I don't care what, whether you throw at him, Windy City, you can put him in New Orleans, Atlanta, Kansas City. I don't care, Kansas City or Windy City, it doesn't matter. 
Patrick Mahomes is going to go out there. He's going to throw the ball around. And Kansas City has a much better defense this year than they had last year. And even if they didn't, you're playing against the Chicago Bears. And Mitch Trubisky is not going to win you this game. Especially now because after the playoffs, they have nothing to play for. So, Kansas City, pretty easy pick. I'm going to take them minus the six points. Next year, our Sunday night game. And Baltimore and Cleveland, my last game of my pick sixes. So, Baltimore, believe it or not, the last game that the Baltimore Ravens have lost have been against these Cleveland Browns in week four because they won their first two games. They beat Miami and they beat Arizona. Then they lost to, I believe, Kansas City, and then they lost to Cleveland. Actually, they lost in Baltimore, so that was a pretty surprising game. They gave up 40 points. They gave up 530 yards of offense. Uh, I think Baker Mayfield ran, uh, passed for 340, and Nick Chubb ran for, I think, 120 or 130, I believe, so... Everything was going right for that game. But Baltimore Ravens must have figured something out after that game. So they've been rolling ever since. They've won 10 in a row. And, I mean, I don't even have to talk about Lamar Jackson. Uh, Mark Ingram is trying to get his 1,000 yards. He's a couple yards away from that. And uh, Lamar Jackson is trying to make an MVP claim. And the Cleveland Browns, they are not technically out the playoffs. They still have an outside chance. Uh, they're only two games out of the wild card, so they need some help from the Steelers because that's the only, you know, place that's that's the only wild card spot that's open. The Bills, they're honestly the Bills could still win the division actually. They're only a game behind, so only a game behind New England. But uh, Cleveland, like I said, they're still fighting. They still have they have a lot of drama surrounding Odell Beckham right now. It's like, does he want to leave? No, he's going to stay. No, I think he wants to leave. You know, Baker Mayfield, they're dealing with a lot of stuff. Freddie Kitchens, everyone's talking about firing him. And he said he don't care about his future, which I don't, I, didn't, I don't think people took that the right way. But I knew exactly what he meant. I think he was just saying, I'm not worrying about the future right now. I'm worrying about this football team. But I think everyone took it as, I don't care about the future. I don't care about anything. I don't care about this team. I knew what you meant, Freddie Kitchens. I don't know why everyone is just jumping on Freddie Kitchens right now. Maybe he's made some bad decisions. I know he hasn't run the ball as much as he should when you had the number one rusher in the league. But I am actually going to take Cleveland plus the 10 points because I feel like 10 is a big line. And I think the way Cleveland put up numbers against the Baltimore Ravens the first game, I think they can do something similar, which I don't think they can win the game because I think Baltimore is playing way too well right now. And Baltimore, there's no way as good as Baltimore is, they're going to get swept by the Cleveland Browns. But I don't think they're going to come out and just dominate. I think they'll come out. They're going to establish a run, but I think both teams have to establish the run. And if uh, Cleveland can establish the run, they can stay in this game. So I'm going to take Cleveland uh, plus the 10 points. So, yeah, that's my six picks. I'm going to post it on my Facebook page so I can keep track of everything. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. I'm going to head out. I'm going to wrap it up. Um, yeah, so thanks. And we're going to we're going to be watching football on Sunday. We're going to be watching Dallas in Philadelphia on Friday. So, we're going to watch Dallas and Philadelphia again on Sunday. So, let's get to it. Go Eagles. And remember, it's just a game. Fly, Eagles, fly. All that good stuff. One love. And uh, peace out.